Well, we're going to continue in this series. I want to show you a list of five words, phrases, uh, whatever, here on the screen. I want you to look those over and tell me what those have in common. Love, do good, bless, pray, give. What do those five things have in common? Anybody know? Their actions. Your enemies. Love your enemies and do good to them and bless them and pray for them and give to them. Paul's right over there. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, we don't even always do this very well for our friends and family. How are we going to do this for our enemies? Right? I think we get to practice. Because this is what Jesus asks us to do. And I think we get to practice first by loving each other. Jesus told his disciples this. I think we've got this on screen as well from John 13. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Huh. Relationships are kind of a funny thing. No good relationship is without some conflict or some disagreement or disappointment. That's normal, including in the church. It's how we manage those conflicts and how we manage those hard feelings and experiences that matters. And and what shows up in our attitude and what shows up in our speech reveals what's in our heart. My father-in-law used to say, what's in the bucket, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Now, Christians, we are often criticized for our divisions and our conflicts, right? Rather than noted for our unity. It's unfortunate. It's reported that there's something like 40,000 Christian denominations in the world right now. That's not including all the churches that call themselves non-denominational, which is such a cop-out, by the way. <laughs> right? From just a handful, even a thousand years ago, you basically had the, the church and then it split into the church and the Eastern church and then, you know, a few divisions and it's just grown, gone crazy since then. And it seems like we're pretty good at, at disagreeing and going off to start our own thing. I loved last Sunday night at Clovis Hills Church. It was so great. Six churches were represented, worshiping together, you know, just hearing testimonies together. It was just fantastic. I just encourage you to participate next time we do something like that. But um, Emo Phillips tells a story that he, he said once he, he saw this guy on a bridge about to jump and he said, don't do it. And the, and the guy had said, nobody loves me. And I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. And I said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? And he said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist, Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And I said, die, heretic. And I pushed him off the bridge. 
I don't know if it's a true story, but it might be. <laughs> the reality is that where there's people, there's going to be some struggle for harmony at times. And yet Jesus said, the world will know that you're my followers by your love. Ouch. You and I need to receive more of Jesus' love so that we can love one another better. And we can keep growing in this for sure. And we can be sure not to gossip and determined not to be offended on someone else's behalf and commit to speak to the person that we disagree with rather than talking about them to others or complaining or storming off in anger. We can commit to not make assumptions about what another person is thinking or, or what they said. And, and I had a person a couple weeks ago say, look, I, you just need to understand because of, kind of where I'm at in life sometimes, um, you know, I, I might take something you say wrong and, and I'm committed to not do that. And I'm like, that's good because I'm about as clueless as can be. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at somebody in a funny way or I'll say something or I won't say hi to you when you pass me by and you'll think, boy, that was rude. You just got to not make those assumptions. And um, we just don't want to hold grudges and so on. If Jesus could have left it at that, though, just love one another, just work on that. I, you know, we would have our hands full, so to speak. But Jesus goes and sets the bar higher than that. So let's read Luke chapter 6 today. We're going to start at verse 27 in Luke chapter 6. If you're in the Red Church Bible, the page number is there on the screen, 642. And uh, as always, I'll just read from the New Living Translation today. And I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The big number 6 and the small number 27. Let's see what Jesus said to his disciples and those who are listening. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High for He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Let me just repeat that phrase. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. And the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Let's ask the Lord for some help. Father, 
these are hard words. And we just need your spirit to direct us so we can understand and know how to apply these in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take a seat together. So these five words we talked about earlier, these five ones that we started with, these five commands from Jesus to love our enemies, to do good to the haters, to bless the cursors, to pray for the attackers or abusers, to give to the takers. And I don't know about you, but there's a moment I want to ask, so I'm just supposed to sit back and take this kind of treatment? Sounds pretty wimpy. It's not about being passive. These are actions of response. These are active actions. We'd say it like this. The follower of Jesus chooses to respond rather than to react to the actions of others. We choose to respond to somebody rather than simply react to others. I think we got time. Alex, can you help me with this? My son Alex is going to help me with this. Because um, it just so happened we were talking about this maybe a week ago, and then it was in the passage this week. So Matthew goes, talks a little bit more about the slapping on the cheek. I just want to use this one example. Matthew talks about right and left. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, this is my son, and I don't, I don't dare uh, try to take him on physically anymore. Gave that, gave up on that about five years ago. But uh, a guy named Walter Wink, and you, you may be familiar with this, author by the name of Walter Wink, does a good job of kind of explaining how this all goes out. When Jesus talks about the slap on the cheek, there's two ways I can slap Alex on the cheek. One is if we're equals and we're having a disagreement and he says something that's insulting to me, but he's my equal, I'll slap him with an open hand, open hand on, his right, on his left cheek. But... In Matthew, Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, give him the left cheek also. Well, how am I going to slap him on the right cheek with the back of my right hand? Now, culturally speaking, I, the back of my hand is reserved to someone who's beneath me. A servant, a slave, a Samaritan, a woman, right? A child in that culture, okay? Take my words in context, please, Right? <laughs> And so the backhanded slap says, you're beneath me, you'll always be beneath me, and that's what you have coming to you. Now, what's the person in a subordinate position supposed to do? He can't push back. He can't fight back. He could be killed or thrown in prison. How, what's, what's, the, what's the response? Reactive response would be to fight, right? What's the way to respond appropriately? Jesus says, give him the other cheek. So if he just slightly turns that cheek to me, I have a problem now. How am I going to backhand slap that cheek? Only with my open hand. What this person has done, he said, Oh, you can abuse me, but if you're going to hit me, we're going to be equals. In the sight of God, we are man to man at this point. It's, it's a non-violent resistance. It says... I'm not going to take your, I I can't stop you from doing this to me, but if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with integrity. You're going to not belittle me or demean me with your action. You can take a seat. Thanks, bud. It's, It's this, it's this 
way that we respond to a situation rather than react. It's the thinking through, huh, if I'm being mistreated, how am I going to say without just being a, you know, a passive, I don't know, wimp, right? To say, okay, I'm, I'm in a powerless situation here, but I'm going to take a stand and resist. Jesus says to love our enemies. What does it mean to love? To love love means to show preference, to elevate you, to give you what's best for you. If I love you, it means I think, I say, I do what is good for you, what is for your benefit, what improves and benefits your life. It means I protect you and I defend you. If someone criticizes you, I say, hang on, that person's not here to talk about. Let's, Let's... Speak kindly to that person. That's what it means to love someone. To not join in and say, yeah, I hate that guy too. Right? To do good to the haters. Do good to those who hate you. Wow. It's to not do harm, but even more than that, to do something beneficial to the person who actually hates you. And it's really good because, you know, if someone really doesn't like you and you do something Nice for them. They don't know what to do with that. It just messes with their head. It's exciting. I don't know. (laughs) What does it mean to bless? To bless those who curse you. To bless is what is with your mouth, what you speak. To speak honoring words to that person. To, To raise that up. To speak of God's favor. To even to believe God's favor for that person. I don't know if you've had people in your life that, that have been difficult. But I, I would say, for me, this is one of the hardest but most significant moments to be able to say, Lord, I, I ask for your blessing on that person who in my mind does not deserve any of it. <laughs> right? But we just read that God loves the wicked and the ungrateful. What kind of God loves wicked people? He says to pray for our attackers or abusers. What does it mean to pray? It means to intercede, to stand in the gap for someone. And, and I think that this is, you know, you're, you're going to God on behalf of another person. And I think this one's interesting that this is really the only of these five. This is really the only one that's done at a distance. I want to be really careful here about if you've been in a relationship that's abusive, whether it's, you know, verbally um, Maybe you've got a sibling or a parent or a child who is who is really continues to be um, toxic to you, uh, not a safe person to be with. You can pray for your abuser. Uh, uh, I just I just think it's really significant that Jesus is not necessarily asking you to go back into a personal, intimate, one on one kind of relationship with that person, except to say, but pray for them. Something amazing happens. I don't know if you've ever done this. When you pray for a situation or a person, what changes? That's your heart. And you begin to see things differently. You begin to understand what got that person to that place in their life that they treated you like that. But there's a protection built in, I think, in Jesus' comments here. That there may, it may still be time to safely maintain some relational distance. In the case of abuse, what is it to give? He says, give to those who take. 
It's to release what you have so others can benefit. To give what others, just to, to give to them. They want a little bit, give them more. Jesus says. They want your, they want your coat, give them your shirt. It's okay. That one of those songs we sang this morning, Take My Life and Let It Be, it's written by a gal named Frances Havergal many years ago. And she, she came from a wealthy family and she wrote that when she wrote that song, there's one verse I noticed we didn't sing this morning. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Right? Take my moments and my days. And she writes that as she had written that song and she, in her wealth, gathered up all her, her jewelry and silverware and expensive things. And she went and sold them and sent the money to the missionary house. And the joy she experienced as she did that. And, you know, there's something about giving. I, I love, Josh, you often pray about how giving releases us from the grip that money has on us. It's really true. So we give even to those who won't give back. Lend to those who can't repay you. Give to those who already take. And now you might say, Brian, this is really good for some people. <laughs> but I don't have any enemies. I get along with everybody. So none of this applies to me. A friend of mine put it this way. He said, Jesus wants me to love the person I wouldn't invite to my birthday party. Right? An enemy is anyone who blocks you in some way. Any person who, who keeps you from getting to what you plan to do. You might not even have a relationship with them. Right? It might be a momentary enemy like the slow driver in Shepherd Avenue. We're trying to get to church on time. Right? It might be a systemic, systemic enemy like the Social Security Administration who's drowning you in, in bureaucracy and red tape. That's, a, that's an enemy. Maybe you've made the President of the United States your enemy. He doesn't even know who you are. Well, except for the NSA. But other than that, he doesn't even know who you are. But you've made him your enemy. An enemy is anyone who takes from you, takes your money, takes your comfort, takes your friends. Right? Some of you high schoolers and then some of the kids up there. Remember that feeling when someone else stole your best friend and became best friends with your best friend? And that best friend now became your enemy because someone else stole your best friend? So much for BFF, right? Your enemy is someone who, who steals your routines, took your job. Take your peace of mind. Stole your plans for the future. Someone you feel interfered with you in some negative way. And you might say, well, I'll, I'll love them. Okay, Jesus said love them, so I will love them. But I sure as heck ain't going to like them. And that's tricky. And I, I would just say, we, Becky and I actually talked about this yesterday. What if you don't like them? Right. Um, ask yourself, well, why don't I like them? Why don't I like this person? Is it is it your issue or theirs? Maybe maybe they are a porcupine. And they're just a little too prickly to be around. But keep in mind, we're all somebody's porcupine. It's really true. We're all somebody's porcupine. We're all somebody's sandpaper. Right. And so ask yourself, hmm, what is going on here? But maybe some distance is OK. 
our, our best hope, I think, is to apply verse 31, where Jesus says that famous golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. So it's the reason why they call that rule golden. It's precious. You might be surprised what develops if you'll let that be your starting point. Now, you may also have a rattlesnake in your life. And this goes back a little bit to what I said about abuse. Someone who is simply not safe to be around. Now, rattlesnakes are a beautiful creature, but I don't want to be near one. Right? And, and so this is, I think, the time um, to copy Jesus who said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So often those people that are particularly difficult in your life got there really, they did not get there intentionally. Through a, a, whatever's been developed in their life, they come to that place where, boy, they, they, all that struggle they've lived with in their life, maybe it was abuse, maybe it was mistreatment, maybe it was bad choices, but it, it produces bad fruit, poisonous fruit. And if I've had some rattlesnakes in my life, and I've found that it's not necessarily safe for me to be near them, but I can still do the things that Jesus talked about. Pray for them, bless them, love them, give to them. And let God work on us both as I say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know really what they're doing. So in your life, I've got to ask, who's an enemy? Do you have one? Who's that person who's hurt you or abandoned you or shorted you in some way? That, that person who took something from you might be a parent, might be a deceased parent, might be your spouse, your ex, your kids, your boss, your student, your coworker. It could be the neighbor whose dog just won't stop barking day and night, right? Might be the bank that refuses to refinance your mortgage. Maybe someone harmed you terribly in your past. They broke a promise to you. You just can't find it in your heart to trust them again. Who is that person? Where's your enemy? Because Jesus says, love. Do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Give to them. It is an incredibly strong position to say, I will go above what I think you deserve and give you what God would give to you. So who is my enemy? And why would I love them? Let's talk about the why, the motivation. To do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you from, from Romans 5. If you want to... Flip over there, you can. I'm just going to read a few verses from Romans chapter 5. So from Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans chapter 5. So you might know who that enemy is, but, but why would Jesus say this? Why would Jesus make this command? The Apostle Paul goes into it. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. He writes this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. 
But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We love because that's what Jesus did. God showed his love for you and for me, even though we did not deserve it. While we were still his enemy. This is why this is why works salvation doesn't make sense. This is why you can't earn your way to heaven. This is why you can't be good enough for God because Jesus already took care of it while you were still in sin, while you were far from God, long before any of us were born. And born into a natural ability to do what displeases God. While all that was in place, Christ died. God sent Jesus to die in our place. And he showed mercy at the cross. And my faith then in the saving blood of Jesus makes me a friend of God. So it's therefore inconsistent to be friends with God and enemies with people. Because if I'm at odds with you and God loves us both, we're obligated to, in some way, seek a resolution. Let me say it another way. God is merciful and compassionate and gracious to the wicked and the ungrateful and the undeserving. And the Father expects the same of us. And you say with me, not fair. That is not fair. That is not a realistic or reasonable expectation. That's fine for Jesus. He's the son of God. But I think that's an unrealistic expectation. And I would say, I agree. It's not fair. Nor is the forgiveness that you and I received in Christ. That was not fair. That was not fair to Jesus to pay my sins and your sins. That wasn't fair to him, but it's already been done. And you say, yeah, but I can't do that. When you've trusted Jesus and invited the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in your life. He makes that possible. So having received God's Love, we started with this, it makes it possible now for me to give that love away to both friends and to enemies. And for some of us, it's just plain hard. You want justice, you want fairness, you want equity. Maybe you've tried to forgive and you just feel like you can't. You want someone to pay or at least understand the stupidity of what they've done and what they've put you through. And the only way of justice is to trust in Jesus, the righteous judge. Fifty years ago, Martin Luther King Jr. said it so beautifully, promising freedom. And he said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. So trusting in Jesus then requires a long range view. Trusting in Jesus requires a long range view. It's a two directional view backward. To remember the suffering that Jesus endured for us on the cross and forward to anticipate, anticipate both justice and reward that's to come. Reward. There's a promise of reward. Now, there's no microwave for this. It's a long range perspective. 
And inside of these commands to love and bless and give and pray for, etc., toward our enemies, there's a trust in God that says, God, I'm going to trust you to take care of whatever needs to be dealt with. I'll wait on you, God, to meet my concerns in your perfect timing. But it can be hard to quietly wait. You know, I don't know if you've ever figured this out in a year, in the last year about me, but I'm, I'm a talker. I love to talk. It's what I do. Um, and I could not possibly keep track of the number of times that I've spoken too quickly or too soon. And I don't know if you've ever done that, that you jump to a conclusion about another you know, person's comments or their motives, or you, you try like me to fix something instead of just bringing it to Jesus. Maybe you've, I don't know, I've done this. I've, I've used my words to let the feathers out of the pillow and then you find that it's impossible to pick them all up as they scatter to the wind. I, I, maybe we've all done that. And so there's a fundamental principle in this that what you give determines what you receive. And what you receive determines what you give. You really see that in verses, the, the, the kind of the last verses we read, 37 and on. Do not judge. You'll not be judged. Do not condemn or it all come back against you. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and you'll receive. And you'll, your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Okay, so Jesus now is speaking in the context of relationships. This is a relational command. And giving, he's talking about giving judgment versus giving forgiveness. I think, but also giving in physical ways. Because earlier he said, give to those who take, lend to those who can't pay you back. And so whatever you give, you can expect to receive in return. And Jesus promises this generously, right? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Well, your generosity toward your enemies will have generous, eternal rewards, heavenly rewards. But this is true also. What you receive determines what you give, right? For example, um, okay, I'm putting two guys on the spot. Uh, Johnny, David, can you guys come help me? What you receive is what you give to others. David, I'm going to give you something, and just the law of the universe, you're going to give what you receive, okay? So I want you to go ahead and take whatever's in that bag out and... Uh, You've received that from me. Just kind of hold that out. Just, it's a t-shirt. Right? What do you think of that t-shirt? That's just awful. Right? Now, you're going to give that t-shirt to Johnny. Johnny, you, you can just go ahead and put that back in the bag. Because what happens, that t-shirt represents, you know, if I've, got, if I've received in my life bitterness Anger, I've poured out on him, frustration, gossip. What happens? He passes all that grossness. He passes it on to the next guy. Now Johnny's stuck carrying around bitterness and gossip and anger. And he's going to find someone to give that to. That's no good. Now what happens about this? What happens if I say, David, here's $5, right? Now, does he, he feels blessed, right? And, and in the marvelous thing of the universe... He can, he can pass that on as well. He can bless someone else as he's been blessed. And Jesus promises that there'll be an eternal future reward for David. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. 
You can take each other out for a soda or something. Pick that. Keep the five bucks. Right? So what we, what we give, we receive. But what we receive, we also give. And so our task is to carefully consider both what we're giving away, but also to carefully consider what we're receiving. Because what you receive, you pass forward. So be careful about the conversations you get into, the company you keep. Because what you receive, you're going to pass on to others. Jesus offers forgiveness. And he offers mercy and he offers freedom. And when I receive the forgiveness that Jesus has for my sins, I mean really, truly receive his forgiveness. Not just say, yeah, I know I'm forgiven, but I'm going to work really hard to pay it back. How many times have I said, you did not get saved on credit. Jesus didn't pay for your sins and say, and now you get to spend the rest of your life paying me back. He did not say that. What is Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? A free gift of salvation. Free gift. And so when you receive it, you'll also be able to forgive others, to release others, to bless others, to pray for others. 1 John 4.19, right, says... That we love others because God loved us first. That's why you can love others. As you receive His love, you can love others. So what are you receiving into your life? And what are you giving back? Where are you giving relationally? So that you will give back, press down, or you'll receive back, press down, shaken together and running over. I want to remind you of some good news. God loves you. He loved you first and He loves you now. I don't know what you experienced this week, what you thought about, who you talked to, what you carried. I want you to know God loves you. Even if you've been ungrateful and wicked, God loves you. There's no getting around it. But you can't manufacture a love for your enemies. You can't manufacture joy and you can't create hope. It's something you receive from the Lord so that you can give it to others. The Holy Spirit can work that up in your life as you trust in Christ Jesus and His full and complete work on the cross. You look to Jesus and you receive his mercy. And as you do that, you can love your enemies and you can do good. And you can pray. And you can bless. You can give to those who don't deserve it. Those who are so challenging this week. Whether you know them or whether you don't know them. You watch what happens in your own heart. As you do that, let's stand to pray. Jesus, I know you had to tell us to do this because we wouldn't have, we wouldn't think to do this on our own. Doesn't come naturally for me, Lord, to love those who mistreat me or oppose me. 
So we want to take seriously your commands. We want to take seriously your words and say we will love those who seem to not deserve it. Jesus, I thank you that you came and died for us. I thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus, that while we were still your enemies, you reached out to us. You didn't wait for us to make a a truce with you. You came to make a truce with us. And I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And church, as we're singing our closing song, as we head into the week, I just, I would just invite you to just ponder this. Who in your life is, is that person or those people to whom Jesus is calling you to love them, to care for them, to bless them, to pray for them, to give to them? Who is that? And I invite you to determine in your own life and in your own heart, even as we close the service, to say, God, I can't do this unless your love in me pours out and spills out to them. And so maybe for you, as we're singing our closing song, it's a matter of just receiving God's love afresh so that you can pay that forward to others. And then maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally, and you hear this stuff and you say, wow, I, I'm, this makes sense to me. And you're saying, I, w- I would like to give my life to Jesus. And so as heads are, are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you that opportunity right now to say, I want to give my life. To, I want to follow Jesus who says this kind of crazy stuff. I want to make Jesus the Lord and leader of my life. If that's you. Would you just raise your hand right now and I'm going to. Get a chance to pray with you after the service. All right. For the rest of us, we've got a challenge on our hands, don't we? To love, to bless, to pray for, to give. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen.